0: Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. If you don't know, we're doing family worship these days, meaning the keiki is with us. So I want to give you guys some biblical guidelines today. Um, the best way you could use these next 30 minutes is to continue to disciple your children through the listening of the word. So to check this out. It's okay that we're not going to be perfect. Can I get an amen in here, all right? It's okay that we'll have some populi kids in here. Because at the end of it, you know we all pupuli in need of Jesus. Can I get a witness this morning? And so if you have your written word, and I hope you do, would you stand with me in the reading of Nehemiah chapter 2? We're just going to read through the first eight verses, and then we will do a survey style for the remaining of the verses exegeted as best as we can in this few minutes that we have together. Ho'omao kau kau. Nehemiah, the prophet of the Lord, says these words in chapter 2, following his prayer of chapter 1, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. When wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in the king's presence, but the king said to me, Why, Nehemiah, is your face sad, seeing you're not sick, man? This is nothing but sadness of the heart, Nehemiah replies. Then I was very much afraid, and I said to the king, let the king live forever, for why should not my face be sad when the city, specifically Jerusalem, the place of my father's graves lies in ruin, and its gates have been what? Destroyed by what? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may say those two big words, rebuild it. And the king said to me, with the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall what? Occupy. Listen to these words, all right? I want to hear a hearty, loud amen after I say these last words. You ready? And the king, right? The king, Artaxerxes, granted me Nehemiah what I asked for. The God of my, uh, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Amen. God, we love you. We thank you for your glorious truth today. Help us in the area of theology and application to meditate on these words, to absorb these words, and to live out of the overflow of the truth of this word. As DMI says, that the good hand of my God was upon me. We love you, Lord, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, God's ohana says, amen. In noho ilalo, you may be seated. Last week, we kicked off a new summer series entitled Rebuild. We're taking a break from our study through the Gospel of Mark, right, this whole summer. Because we believe coming out of this COVID-19 season, or continuing through this COVID-19 season, one of the appropriate books to study, maybe not verse by verse, but a survey is through the letter of Nehemiah. And if you've been blessed by chapter 1 already, and now in chapter 2, would you give me a hallelujah in this room, right? If you're online, give me a hallelujah as best as you can. I know that's awkward, right? Anyway, but the joy of today's study is to be reminded through this series in this platform we've been proclaiming since last week, and it's up on the screen. If you believe it with me, will you say it out loud with me? Here's a reality truth for this series. One, two, three. God will do what he needs to do. To fix our eyes on Him. How many of you know that to be true this week, right? God will do what He needs to do to fix our eyes on Him. And for us, right, for the Tomasellis, we love going to the beach, all right? We love going to the beach to, to let go some steam. And let's just say, it's been hot. It's been really hot. And so the the positiveness of living on an island is, help me out, we get to go to the beach. But unfortunately, on Monday, what we thought would be fun ended to be a tragedy. One of my nephews who were with us that day, spending the summer with us, we went to Carl Smith, or Four Miles Beach Park, the the grass side, the local side, everybody called it the local side and all that, and that small little jump-in area, Right? Not the backside jumping area, the front side jumping area where the wall is, everybody jump off that wall. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? My nephew and, and all the boys, man, there was about 20 of us on this small little reef rock, poor rock, right? And all that. And so we're all swimming. Kainokoa is getting better at swimming, but he still he was in the way of his cousin, and his cousin tried to suicide off the reef. Kai, he tried to avoid Kainokoa, and by avoiding he went head first riding right to the reef. Ambulance come, take him to the ER, and I, the father's still at work, so I'm there with him, uh, praying with him, talking through with him. And he didn't just have one puka as they were cleaning out the puka. They looked through his hair. He had a second puka above his head, and then they realized after they were cleaning it out, they found a third puka right on the pole, right there. And... and And you got to imagine the pain that the young teenager is going through. What we thought would be a day of joy with cooling off in the water would be a day of complete, you know, for us, challenge and tension. And the only thing that we could ever do through the whole process was pray. Was pray. Pray that we learned last week. Pray so that we would make it in that moment, in that day. And Glory to God, by the help of the doctors and the nurses, today he'll take his, his uh, staples out of his head. And I just want to let you know, you've never been blessed, right, until you are in agony with a teenager who's getting three holes stapled in the name of Jesus. You'll never be blessed, all right? That's a whole nother experience for me. I've been stapled before, but to watch someone in pain and agony. And I want you to think, think about this. Our world today is in pain. Can I get a witness? Our world today is in agony. Our world today is filled with lostness. Our world today is in need of hope. When everybody thinks they're an expert on theology and social justice, right, on social media, we must understand that we are all flawed Painfully flawed in need of hope. And guess what? We find it today. We find it in the book of Nehemiah. And I want to remind you that God will do what he needs to do to fix our eyes on him. As I was hanging out with my nephew, I was saying, "What, what is God showing you? And he shared his heart with me. And the reality is still true, that God did what he had to do to, to my nephew, right, to fix his eyes on him. And what I want us to see in these verses, right, I want you to see a historical truth when it comes to this movement of prayer. Last week, our sermon was called, The Answer Has Always Been Prayer. We're going to continue on in that theme. And I want you to see this historical truth. It's up on the screen. Any great movement throughout history any great think about it the great awakening the second great awakening the first and last awakening in the kingdom of Hawaii any great movement throughout history has always begun with a movement of prayer are you with me today this is the life of Ohana church we believe this is our story that our movement us getting in on what God is doing is in connection with prayer And what we just read in these eight verses signifies and affirms to us, right, that prayer is the work. Based on the month in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Nehemiah, Nisan, right, that month in the Persian calendar is the month of March, right? Well, we know in chapter one that Nehemiah began praying in the month, the Persian month of Cheslev. Cheslev on the Persian calendar is actually between November and December. So, Nehemiah prayed for four to five months. For what? That God would rescue his people. Let me give you some backdrop, right? His people have been in captivity for 70 years. Babylon came into Jerusalem, knocked down the walls, brought all the people of Israel into Babylon. Later on, we learn in the book of Daniel that Babylon is overpowered and ruled over by the nation of Persia. And so now Persia is in full control of God's people. Right? You could say it this way in our understanding America is in full charge of the kingdom of Hawaii. Does that hit a home for you? Same situation, similar situation. But Nehemiah does something that we probably don't do. We would probably complain on social media. We would probably call somebody out and make more haka-ka out of this situation. Can I get a witness, right? We will do that because naturally we are in pain, we are flawed. This is what our sinful nature teaches us to do, is to complain, is to cause more tension and to cause more fight. But in the midst of this 70-year captivity, right, Nehemiah does what we should all do. He prays, and he faithfully prays. Therefore, our sermon today is called The Results of Prayer. And here's three results from our text today. All right, we're going to go through the whole chapter. Number one, we see an open door. Say that with me. One, two, three. We see an open door. After months of Nehemiah praying and planning to someday return back to Jerusalem, a door is finally open. And it's through the relationship of the Persian king, King Artaxerxes, and Nehemiah that we see God using a conversation to open to open up a door right for god 's people to go back home now I want you to, I want you to understand this this is not the first group of people going back home after seventy years. The prophet Ezra bought a first group, and now Nehemiah is continually doing the same mission of bringing the rest of the exiles back to Jerusalem. And in our verses today, the king displays both, listen to me, compassion and a sense of commitment to Nehemiah in addressing Nehemiah's sadness. Look at verse 2. It says, and the king said to me, why is your face sad? Seeing you are not sick, this is nothing but sadness of the heart. Listen to me. You guys know when that, those that you're connected with is mad, right? Let's go husband and wife. Husband and wife, you should know Without your spouse telling you that you're mad or sad. Correct? Right? It's just the connection God has given to us. Right? You were like, man, I wish my kids would get it right now, Kahu. Because these buggers are acting up right now. Hey, let it go. It's all good. We're working through it. Right? Discipleship. Right? Right? Nehemiah confesses to the king that he is basically depressed. He's depressed because his people in Jerusalem, this first group of people that went, is experiencing some hardship and tensions with the heathens and the pagans that surround Jerusalem, who have taken Jerusalem captive while they've been gone for 70 years. And King Artaxerxes, listen to me, King Artaxerxes is not acting compassionate for the sake of being compassionate. I want to hear you hear me. King Artaxerxes, as the ruler... Of Persia is not being compassionate for the sake of being compassionate but rather listen to me he is being compassionate due to the sovereign redemptive plan of God Jehovah himself God uses this king this pagan king Artaxerxes right to display his compassion Over to his people who are in exile and under his rule. Listen to me. This is saying, Artaxerxes is not in control, Ohana. God is in control. How do we know that? Well, let's go to the word. Look at Proverbs chapter 21. It says that the king's heart is the stream of water in the hand of who? The Lord. This is Jehovah. Jehovah. He turns it wherever what he wills. Listen to me. God is in control. Psalms 135 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, say those two words with me. It's up on the screen. One, through, three. He does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. Why? Say it with me. Because God is in what? Control. Look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. It says, many are the plans in the mind of a man. Let's say that again. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will what? Stand. The Ellie should be in Chicago today. Right? That's not God's plan. Why? Because God is in what? control i think this should give us a lot of hope a lot of hope because we can embrace the reality that god is still in control when things feel absolutely out of control he's in control even with our national issues this week right But what's going on? He is still in control. And as we learned last week, our prayers are heard, and God is faithfully with us, and he opens doors for us by, listen to me, aligning our hearts with his heart. Even if that means aligning pagan rulers' hearts as well. God is in control. And I want you to see in our verses... The result of Nehemiah's prayer through this understanding of God giving an open door. Listen to this. The king, Artaxerxes, saw his depression. The king, Artaxerxes, addresses his depression. The king, Artaxerxes, listens intently to Nehemiah's burden for his people and his hometown. The king, Artaxerxes, agrees to help with this burden. Whether you like any president that we have had, that we had, that we're going to have, he is not in control. Say it with me. God is in control. Whether you like his politics or not, or her politics or not, whatever leaders we have in rulership, God is in control, not that human. All right? And all due to the fact, listen to me, the king right now blesses Nehemiah. Why? Say it with me. God is in control. Look at verse 8, the latter part of verse 8. It says, and the king granted me what I asked. For the good hand of my God was upon me. Listen to me. I want you to hear this very clearly. If you belong to God, The way scripture says you belong to God, his hand covers you. His hand is with you. And on top of that, his hand disciplines you. Just like how his hand is disciplining his people in exile, in Babylon, under the rule of Persia, right? And so here's the tension But Now, the tension in this verse is thinking that if I just pray faithfully for whatever I want, God will give it to me. That is not what it's saying. That is not what it said. I want you to be very clear as we read chapters 1 and chapters 2, right? For Nehemiah, his prayers begin with his need for the Lord instead of anything else. You guys with me? Your need is not materialistic things. Your need is not even your spouse, though thank God for our spouses, right? Your need uh, 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 for your Mopuna grandparents, right? Uh Uh-uh, negative negative check that out right your need is for God your need is for God and so what these gatherings does today it expresses our need for God and so for Nehemiah right this was a reality for him but Nehemiah goes a step further as we learned last week he didn't just pray for his need he also prayed for the needs of his people that they would repent they would ask God for forgiveness But in the process of prayer, God gives clarity to Nehemiah, and now being right in right fellowship with Nehemiah through prayer, God calls Nehemiah into the greatest mission field of all, where home, good old home, Jerusalem. How many of you are from Hilo? Raise your hand. Right, see a few of you here. For me, I can connect strong to this text. Hilo is my hometown. This is where I grew up. This is where I sinned like crazy, right? This is where my pagan and hedonism began, right? This is where, like, everything began for me. Went away for a few seasons, right? Not 70 years, thank the Lord, right? Right? But 12 years, coming back, and I have a new redemptive understanding of Hilo. And what is that? That people need Jehovah. And so God opens up this door to go... Back home to Jerusalem for Nehemiah and a second fleet of people and what we see this open door moving to is our second point we see a group of oppressors you guys ready for this reality look at the screen when God begins to bless help me out the enemy begins to attack can I get some witnesses up in here right I mean, look at it, right? This is something we need to always have at the front of our mission when we are experiencing abundance of blessings from Yahweh, from Jehovah. When we are blessed, the enemy begins to attack. For Nehemiah, after 70 years of exile, God's people are returning back home, but opposition awaits him. Look at verses 9 to verses 16. Specifically in verse 10, you see two people. Sanbalat, what a name. Please don't name your child that, right? who was a Horonite, and then Tobiah, who was an Amunite, right? And these Amunite and Horonites are two pagan groups who has taken over the city of Jerusalem, and they did not think it was cool that those people was coming back because Jerusalem had become a stomping ground for thieves and thugs. Sounds like Hilo this week, right? Sounds like Hilo this week. It was a symbol of pride for all outsiders that even the mightiest kingdoms, like God's people, the Israelites, can fall too. But seeing the return of Nehemiah with the aid of Persian support concerned these Haronites and these Ammonites. I mean, why? Because God is in control. Look at the heart check in this. We live in an evil world that's attacked by the evil one. But please don't give the evil one credit, Ohana, just yet. Because I want you to remind you about an evil one. In Job chapter 1, verse 67, we see that the devil, Satan, goes about the earth seeking who he can destroy. Then 2,000 years later, Peter comes on the scene. And in Peter's letter, 2 Peter chapter 5, he says, Christians, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, when God begins to bless, the enemy, help me out, begins to attack, and that's the and what he'll do. He'll use the closest people to you, right, to make you think that the battle is between you and that individual. When in all reality, the battle has always been with not flesh and blood, but the principalities of darkness in this world. That's the reality, and when we look at this case, it reminds me that we have issues in our society today. Let's address our island issues. Listen to me. We get too much keikis missing right now, Ohana. We got too much babies missing. No matter what's going on, it is yokuliana to watch out for our keiki in this community. You know why I go to the beach every day? Because ever since I heard about that ha that heavenui, nui, I wanted to catch somebody. And you guys know me, the catching wasn't so much Christian-like, right? Uh, I had to check my heart and realize, but even all the, the rumors and gossip of what's going on with, with tapes and zip ties and what, all that, whether it's a conspiracy or not, what we do know is keikis are missing. And so we, we are intentionally, when we go to the beach, we have a, we have a rule. We have a, we have a rule for our boys. You cannot leave beyond our presence. You go to the bathroom, Hawaiians, we're all going to the bathroom, right? And, and there's, there's a situation that has happened on this property yesterday, the day before yesterday, and all the days where I felt like our kids were put in a bad situation for random strangers. Listen to me. This is not to scare you guys. This is to remind you guys, just like Nehemiah, the whole purpose of this prayer was to draw God's people back to him. If there's anything God is teaching our community right now, we need to depend on him. We need to come back to him. We need to get in his presence, right? Because Nehemiah, look, I want you to see what happens. Nehemiah did not give up on the mission when these two bad thugs came to address them in these verses, verse 9 to 16. In fact, he continues on in the mission because he knows that God is what? in control. Nehemiah in verses 9 to 16 scouts out the city. He assesses the needs of the city. He does so while his servants follow him and his servants does not really know why they're in Jerusalem. Read the text. He goes and they're following. And I want to give you an an action step for this. All right, listen to me. When it comes to Nehemiah's followers, I want you to hear this application of truth. Whatever role we have in God's plan, Let's trust that it's a plan worth living and dying for. Listen to me. You may not be the pastor. You may not be the leader, right? But your role is vital in the kingdom of God. Right? You may not be the voice up on stage, but your voice where you are matters in the kingdom of God. Your hands, your feet, it matters in the kingdom of God. And if we would heed to the followers of Nehemiah and just cooly coolly our mouth and trust in the leadership that God has given us, because ultimately God is in control, we would see fruit. We would see life change. We would see transformation. I want you to see how this scholar talks about this section. The scholar says, Nehemiah was faced with many problems and much opposition, but his sense of divine direction would give him confidence. He was humbly aware that it was God who had entrusted the project to him and would give him the wisdom by which it would be accomplished and his mission was to restore Jerusalem to the environment pleasing to God. I want to adopt that today. Our mission, are you with me, saints, is to restore Ohana Church. To start from scratch. To rebuild our faith. To rebuild our fellowship. To rebuild our longing for true doctrine and theology. None of that prosperity American gospel garbage that we've seen in the last 50 plus years, but to rebuild our need for God. So, so as we fast forward to the New Testament, this is what Paul says to the church of Galatia, the churches of Galatia. He says, are you here to please man or are you here to please God, right? A mark of a genuine follower of God. Is one who don't care about the opinion of man, right? But cares about what God has already said, and not just cares, but does what God said. That's a mark of a true, genuine follower of God. There's no in between when it comes to the Scripture. You're either with God or you're against God. That's something that we cannot preach enough in our in, in our body. Are you looking for the proof of man? Or are you looking for the approval of God? And for Nehemiah, Nehemiah, a human just like me and you, gives us hope. Why? Because he exalts God with his position as cupbearer to the king for the sake of God's remnant, Israel. Final thought and we'll be done. In the idea of prayer, here's the final result. We see a people of omnipotence. The word omnipotence is an adopted word of who God is. That God is completely powerful. I'm not saying that we are God, but in extension, as God's family, we showcase God's omnipotence through the mission God has given us. I would say that these people that are with Nehemiah is a people of influence, a people of power, a people that's not shined down. When scary-looking outsiders come into their midst, like, like the Amunites. Nothing was going to stop these people like Nehemiah for addressing the issue at hand. And as we end our time together, I want you to see how the verses is wrapped up to the remaining of the text. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse seventeen to 20 says, Then I said to them, he's talking to the pagans, the heathens who are attacking them, the oppressors. He said, And he's talking to his people. He says, you see the trouble we are in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also for the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and what? Build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat... The Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, and Gisham, the Arab, heard of it. They jeered at us and despised us and said, "What is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king?" Then I replied to them, "The God of heaven will make us prosper, and will and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right." Or claim in Jerusalem. That should give you hope today. This is the simple breakdown. Layman's turn. Verse 17. Nehemiah states the obvious issues. Verse 18. Nehemiah confronts them with God's providence. Verse 19. The oppressors begin to cause tension. Okay. Okay. Verse 20 comes up, Nehemiah proclaims the excellencies of God to his people. He says, The God of heaven will make us prosper. Ohana Church, if you hear anything today, hear this. The God of heaven will make you and me prosper prosper. But I want you to hear this very clear. This prosperity we're talking about is not about health and wealth. This prosperity we're talking about is about God himself having relationship with you and me, sinners who don't deserve him, but in his mercy and grace, his prosperity to us is not death, but life in his holy name. That's the whole book of Nehemiah. I want you to look at this. The prosperity that Nehemiah is talking about is the promise of God's redemptive son, Jesus. Look at all the scriptures. All the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, points us to Jesus, right? Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem to rebuild God's people, to rebuild their faith in God, and to rebuild their inheritance to come 100 years, 445 years later, with a man, a God-man named Jesus. That's the hope we have today. This war is not just going to be built up to preserve the culture. Hawaiians. This war is not going to be built up for the sake of man-made benefits. Benefits. This wall is being built up so that the generation that exists now and that will come will be pointed to the Son of God, Jesus. The coming Christ. The whole Old Testament talks about this coming Christ. Isaiah chapter 7 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall come since and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. 700 years later, Jesus, this prophecy will be fulfilled. In Micah chapter 5, he says, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from the ancient of days. His name is, help me out, Jesus. Hosea. Chapter 11 says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Who is his son? Jesus. Isaiah. You may know this part of Isaiah. The most famous Christmas prophecy that we always preach on Christmas. It says in Isaiah chapter 9, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called, help me out, wonderful counselor, mighty God, keep going, everlasting father, keep going, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forever more and forever more and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Why? Because God help me out is in control. This is our prosperity today. Not health and wealth, but say it with me. His name is Jesus. Nehemiah points us to Jesus. Nehemiah prepares us for Jesus. Nehemiah's prayers are bigger than just the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem because his, our redemption is pointed and found in. say his name loud and proud, eyes. Jesus. Today, we look backwards 2,000 years ago. Jesus has already come on the scene. Jesus has already given his life. Jesus has already rose from the dead. Jesus already spent 40 days on earth preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus already ascended into heaven. And the angel came down and reminded God's people he will return. And until we take our last breath, in seeing Jesus, or until Jesus comes back, listen to me, let's rebuild our wall of the gospel for the sake of His glorious name. Let's do it! But here's the tension, right? Unrepented sin. We need To give God our sin. And the Bible is faithful. And the Bible is true. I have to stand on this. If I just stand on who comes and who's going in our church, I would never pastor Ohana Church. Promise kind. Or any church. I stand on the word of God. Would you stand with me in the word of God? Would you all rise up with me as we end our time together? The building of the wall is not so much a wall that's built by man, as we learn in the New Testament, but our cornerstone, right, is Jesus. So, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to close your eyes, and I want you to lift your palms to the heavens. And Brian is just going to sing a simple chorus over you. Whatever he chooses, whatever the Spirit leads him to sing, he's just going to sing it over you. And if you affirm it and you know the words to it, sing it. If not, just be blessed by the lyrics that proclaim the excellencies of our God who is in control through his blessed Son, Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? blood that gives me love it's your blood that took my place It's your blood that took my place your word is pure your word is holy and God I pray that where we go from here is that we would continue to disciple our keiki and our families in truth in understanding God's goodness the book of Nehemiah God we're grateful for you we love you. In your name we pray. And God's Ohana says, "Amen." Give the Lord a clap. For